I'm delighted to say that we've persuaded the following people to stay up with us through till midnight. Victoria Honeyman, who's lecturer in British politics at Leeds University. Hi, Victoria. Hello. Uh, Anand Menon is director of UK in a Changing Europe. UK in a Changing Europe, which in 10 seconds Anand is? Uh, it's a network of academics who try and explain Brexit. Good luck with that. <laughs> and Jill Rutter joins us from the Institute of Government, who's been with us before. Hi, Jill. Hi, uh... Um, first of all then, uh, Victoria, do you want to kick off? Let's just, on, on Theresa May, now, getting backing from her party and saying she's willing to go back to Brussels, what, what happened to its my deal or no deal? She lost, basically. Um, she's in a situation where she can't really get any kind of majority for any practicable, workable way of moving forward. The Brady Amendment is pretty much as good as it's going to get. So it becomes a situation of how desperately do you want to actually break the Conservative Party? And she doesn't want to do that. So she's decided to take option B, which is to go back to the EU and see if she can get a deal, which, quite frankly, she almost certainly can't on the Irish backstop. The Brady Amendment was incredibly vague about exactly what would replace an Irish backstop. Yeah, talks about alternate arrangements. Exactly. The EU have, have negotiated about this. There have been, you know, discussions and debates. This has been kind of wrung out over the course of 18 months of, of, uh, of negotiations. It's difficult to see what is going to happen here. But I think what we're seeing is the beginning of a narrative where certain members um, of the House of Commons will be able to say that the Europeans are being intransigent, that they're not doing as they should be because they're not allowing Britain to do what it wants. Uh, and I think that we're beginning to see the beginning of that narrative. Mm. Uh, Anna Menon, let me ask you about uh, the, the Spellman-Dromey amendment, which is, as we said, it, it is not binding, but, but Parliament backed taking no deal off the table. Will the Prime Minister now make that binding, do you think? I don't think it's in the Prime Minister's interest to try and make that binding at the moment because I think she still holds out hope that she can get her deal through. I think there's a calculation in Downing Street. I mean, down, let's face it, this is the Prime Minister who spent the best part of a year trying to get rid of the backstop. She knows better than anyone how hard that is. So I don't think she's under any illusions. But what I think she does think is she can go back to Brussels, show that she's tried, come back, and when this vote happens, maybe on Valentine's Day, for better or for worse, then MPs are two weeks closer to crashing out with no deal and face the choice. Agree to this deal, or the options are either overturn Brexit or have no deal. So I don't think Number 10 have given up on this. I think this is part of a tactic. Now, her tactics quite often fail, but I do think that they haven't given up hope on getting this deal through in pretty much the form it's in now, once Brussels say no. And Jill Rutter from the Institute for Government, are you able to explain what, why the EU is so married to this backstop? The EU all along have said that uh, as part of the UK going and the UK saying that it's going to leave the EU single market and the customs union, that that's fine for the UK to go, that's the UK's choice. It's fine for the UK to have those red lines, but the EU defending the rights of one of its remaining member states, and the EU is really quite hot on defending the rights of its remaining member states, is going to protect the interests of Ireland and protect the interests of the Good Friday Agreement, to which the signature is obviously Ireland and the UK government, uh, in terms of avoiding the uh, re-imposition uh, re of a hard border in the island of Ireland. And the backstop is designed to say, whatever that future trading relationship is that the UK ends up negotiating with the EU, uh, there will be a guarantee that in order to protect the single market and the customs union, there don't have to be customs checks at an Irish border. They don't have to be regulatory checks at the Irish border. And that's what the backstop's been designed 
to do. Okay. And just briefly, before we move on from, from this point, and there's some people waiting to speak to you as well and ask their questions, just by saying your first name, Victoria, Anand or Jill, anybody want to have a stab at what the alternate arrangements might be in the Brady Amendment? Well, um, Anand, there you go, you see, I'll say, <laughs> say <laughs> well, yeah, the, the silence spoke louder there. Go on. <laughs> I, I just don't see the European... I mean, there are all sorts of alternative arrangements that I can think of here. I can't think of any that the European Union are going to accept. I mean, that's the rub. Yeah. Uh, they've said two things. One, they've said they won't reopen the withdrawal agreement. I think they probably will, because actually if, if it's that or a no deal, they'll go for a reopening it. But I certainly don't think there's an appetite for revisiting the backstop. So I'm not sure what, apart from some warm, fuzzy language maybe attached as a protocol or something that says the, the European Union really doesn't want to use this backstop and we want to make that clear to you, which doesn't actually change anything, apart from that it's hard to see what they'll do. A 